Welcome to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that is different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We are also brought to you by Aria Benefits. We help business leaders to not only attract and retain top talent, but more importantly, not to lose those great people. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Al, it's prime weather for your bike, so I know you've been out. Tell us about that and tell us what you're training for currently. Well, impeccable timing, Robin. Hard to say when people will be hearing this podcast, but hopefully the Great Cycle Challenge begins in August. I'll be on my bike in August raising money for kids with cancer. I've set myself an ambitious goal, for me anyway, probably not for some people, of 600 kilometers uh, in the month of August. So it'll be a challenge, but I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, you're right. The weather should accommodate me quite nicely, I hope. And this is the second year in a row you're doing the challenge? Second year doing the challenge, raising some money for a good cause. Love it. Well, that'll be at our LinkedIn pages if you want to contribute to that or just cheer Al on. Uh, feel free to join us there. It was a great experience last year and I'm uh, so proud of uh, my partner for doing that again this year. So let's get on with the show because we have an exciting, uh, I'm really excited about today's guest. Joining us today is Christian Alemo. And if I said your name wrong, you can correct me. Christian is the co-founder at Caribou, which sounds like a great Canadian name, by the way. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's a limo, but we're a all limo. good. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Perfect. Perfect. Before we get started, got to send a big thank you out to our friend Paul Gadet at Dig Insights for the introduction. So thank you, Paul. You know, I got a lot of questions to dig into, Christian, but I thought maybe the Reader's Digest version, just so the listeners know what we're talking about here today. What is Caribou? Yeah, it's the million dollar question, I think, for people who look at our LinkedIn and see us. There's there hasn't been a ton about us online, and that's going to change relatively soon. But Cole's notes of it are, are we're a team on a mission to solve the caregiver shortage. And so we work with home care companies to provide them with software that essentially provides micro incentives and micro bonuses to care workers who complete their training or you know, provide you know, extra availability, pick up difficult shifts. And you think about the, the caregiver population wherever we have an opportunity to you know, provide additional recognition or additional financial stability, that's a huge win. And so for these employers, you know, they're looking to, to similar to your earlier comments, they're looking to make sure they keep their top talent and you know, retention is a huge issue in the space. And so we provide essentially a, a fun way for them to earn additional points that they can redeem for cash. And along that process, you know, there's an elevated recognition component and everybody wins along the way. You know, it's funny when when you and I chatted for the first time, I relayed to you, I shared some personal information about my experience with with home care and, and, and you did the same. So I'd love if you're comfortable, maybe approach, you know, our first question around why is home care so important? Like, why is the industry such important? And maybe you can talk from two perspectives to you personally, and then on a macro level to, you know, the greater society. Yeah. So I had kind of started this journey before I knew it was going to be an entrepreneurial one. So I, I had lived with my grandmother growing up and uh, my Nona. And you know, I had seen the, the home care journey evolve over time. And so I had seen you know, the, a revolving door of PSWs, which anyone who you know, is in, in the home care industry is 
you know, unfortunately familiar with is you know, there's a lot of turnover retention has been and, and will continue to be a, a major issue if we can't solve it. And so I had personally just seen, you know, the, the tax that comes with that, the stress of navigating the industry, the challenges that, you know, these PSWs are facing along the way too, whenever they would come in and they would spend time with my Nona, I'd have a chance to, to talk to some of them. And you could see that these are really special relationships that are built between care workers and their clients. But unfortunately, because of you know, different uh, you know, em- employment challenges, you know, a lot of them don't stay in the industry for very long. And so it was something I was really passionate about because I had seen firsthand you know, how that affects the care workers, how that affects those receiving care and the families who have that individual who's receiving home care. And so it was something that was you know, near and dear to my heart and in a uh, complete stroke of luck. I'm an old classmate of mine, Alex Oosterveen, who you know, was previously an, an investment banker. He left his job to, you know, to find a problem to the caregiver shortage. I had seen him on LinkedIn. We had kind of connected and fast forward a couple of years, we started Caribou together. And so it was definitely something that when I'd seen, you know, oh, here's an old classmate working on the space. You don't see too many you know, 25-year-olds looking to get into you know, home care technology. And so when I had seen him make that leap, it was something for me, I was like, hey, this is this feels like the perfect intersection of a big problem that I'm passionate about and also an industry that I really wanted to learn about, which was, you know, obviously the care sector and, and technology as well. To the other part of your question on the, you know, why it's an, an industry that matters, we always say you know, home care is an industry you know, most people know nothing about until all of a sudden they need to know everything about it. Um, and typically what happens is there's an event that occurs, you know, whether it's a, you know, a surgery is required or a fall that kind of catapults, you know, a family into needing to navigate the home care space. And it typically happens really quickly. As the population ages, the challenges in the industry around the caregiver shortage, around retention, that's just only going to be magnified more and more uh, as more people need care. And so as we think about, you know, what are some of these macro trends that are affecting our society? Home care is, and senior care at large, is going to be one that you know it's already extremely critical and it's only going to become more and more important as the population ages and those who are in the industry understand there are some you know some fundamental challenges that we're all working to solve together around you know how do we you know improve retention how do we improve recruitment and bring more you know great caring people into the industry to take care of those who need it and so if we can solve those problems now we'll be in a, a much better position for the broader society 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. But we got to start working on those solutions now. And uh, you know that's something that we're really passionate about on our team. Well, you shared your story of personally why you're interested in this field. And I shared with you when we, we chatted, my, my brother who has since passed away and passed away you know, far too early, you know, yeah. at, fi- at 59 years old last year. But I saw, and he was sick for 10 years. So I, I have a lot of experience with the PSW that he worked with and developed relationship. And you're right, that that relationship that they develop with their patients is so important. And, you know, after Lawrence passed away, I had some of his PSWs reach out to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those people, they really perform such an important task, or uh, there's probably a better word for it. But, you know, I saw the value of what they do. So, I mean, keeping those people, attracting those people into the industry is so incredibly important. And I, for one, who have experienced it and seen the care that my brother got over that that decade, I'm just so happy that there are people out there like you who are who are doing this in, in the industry and, and trying to make it uh, better for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing your experience too. Uh, condolences again to, to your family. To your point, that relationship with the care workers is so special. There's so many incredible people working in this industry. The care workers, but also you know the, the management who operates these organizations, they're 
they're constantly trying to figure out how do we you know, deliver care to more people on a day-to-day basis. It's this industry that I think people are slowly starting to realize is one that is extremely important. And then once you're in it, to your example, you, you really see how meaningful this is on a human level and how important it is to have great people. And there's some incredible care workers who work in the industry now, and hopefully we can continue to bring more and more in. I'm glad we're having this conversation. I think it's, especially with everything that's going on, just it's a timely conversation, not only in terms of demographics, but I think the healthcare industry in in general is getting beat up right now and personal care workers are, are no different. Can you share, you've already alluded to it a little bit. Can you share a little bit about, what do you see about the people in the industry? You had said one of your mission is to solve this caregiver issue like and to make it more attractive. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. On the people in this industry, I it sounds kind of cheesy, but uh, whenever people are talking about, whenever you see it a lot on LinkedIn with people, you know, leave a job, they always say, oh, it's the people, I'm going to miss the people the most. And we're really fortunate that, you know, with all of the different folks we work with, from the frontline care workers to the schedulers at agencies to agency owners and operators, this industry just has such incredible people behind it. And extremely compassionate individuals. And you can imagine on, on a day-to-day level when you put yourself in the shoes of a care worker, you know, oftentimes your days, you know, they start early, you're you know, going from client to client, you know, many care workers are taking public transit to do so. And, you know, they don't see anyone other than their clients that they're you know, seeing that day. It's hard to have a connection to other folks at your company or at your organization. And so you think about the individuals who get up day after day with the mission of taking care of others. And, you know, these are really just folks who could likely be making, you know, more money doing other things, whether it's, you know, working in retail environments or, you know, in different care uh, settings, but these care workers, they're, they really care about their patients and the clients that they're seeing. And you feel it when you talk to them, there's really right now, there's a need to take care of the care workers because they operate on this level of just complete selflessness on a daily basis. And they're the ones who are there in some of the most challenging times for families and for individuals who are going through that care experience. And so it's just something that you know I'm really passionate about. Our team is really passionate about because like I said, it's an industry I think the vast majority of people don't think about on a day-to-day basis. But every single day, these care workers are getting up and they're going to see their clients and they're taking care of those who who really need it. And as much as they they do it because they love it, that's a really that's really tough work. And so it's something we're we're trying to do a better job of you know, shedding light on and bringing awareness to. You know, one of the things we realized because I want to get into your leap because you came from a very large organization and went into entrepreneurship. And and one of the things I realized after we had a young entrepreneur on the show, Swish uh, Goswami, who runs Surf, the feedback from young entrepreneurs that we got on the podcast, just listening to Swish, because I think Swish is only 25 years old. So we realized there's a lot of young people that are listening to the show that are potentially going the entrepreneur route. Maybe they haven't felt comfortable just yet. What piece of advice would you give to anyone considering leaving, you know, either jumping into entrepreneurship as a young person or the route that you and I both went working for a large corporation and then going into the entrepreneur journey. Mm-hmm. I've actually seen a lot of suspicious stuff. I've never met him, but uh, he's got some great, great content. Great, great, content. Guy, great guy. I could make the introduction if you ever want to meet him. Super guy to talk to. Yeah, that's really cool. I think the number one piece of advice I would give is it's not an all or nothing play. And, and I felt this way early on is it can be hard to balance you know, working somewhere 
and building a company that can be really challenging. You obviously have to make you know sacrifices and trade-offs along the way if you want to do both. And I think the whole quit your job and you know chase your dream is is a really great sentiment, but it's practically extremely challenging when you think about you know, the the need for you know to have an income or to be financially stable. So I would encourage anyone, not not just young people, but anyone who is interested in the entrepreneurial space is to figure out how can you get a piece of it while you're still working your day job or or making your income and and how can you dip your toes in to really understand what the world's all about. I think it's become this it's kind of the time the era of the rock star entrepreneur where like there's you know there's these entrepreneur influencers who glorifying hustle culture and all that kind of stuff, which has clearly had its effect on platforms like LinkedIn, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think you often see the challenges that are associated with that. Being an entrepreneur, especially early stages, can be really messy and can be really individually taxing and and mentally challenging. And you have to make a lot of sacrifices. And so I don't think it is for everybody. And I think being able to dip your toes in is really a, a great way to assess whether it's for you. And, and what I mean by that, practically speaking, is you know, just sharing from my experience, you know, when I was at PepsiCo, I was very interested in, in learning more about the entrepreneurial space, but I really questioned, like, do I even have any skills that are relevant? Like, you know, I've worked at this big company for, you know, for four years, but do I actually, can I add value to a small organization? And so I'd reached out on LinkedIn to a few folks in my network who I'd seen were starting a company and just offered, you know, offered to run marketing workshops because that was what I could, that's what I knew I thought I knew how to do. And that was kind of my way to meet other entrepreneurs, to feel what it was was like to work with an early stage business. And in that process, there were, you know, I learned what I wanted in, you know, a team that I was working with. I learned what I didn't want as part of that. You know, it's very clear that not all startups are created you know, the same and, you know, everyone has their own way of approaching and solving their problems. And so being able to make time to meet with different entrepreneurs, work with different businesses and you know, give my time away for free was a really good way for me to learn, okay, is this something I actually want to do? And then you know, by the time I started working with Alex and, you know, I'm, I'm extremely lucky and grateful for Alex kind of taking a bet on me because I was just a marketing guy. You know, we had worked together on you know, a marketing solution. And he took a leap of faith and said, Hey, you know, you want to be my, be my co-founder and you know, lead operations, which I had no experience doing, but because I had dipped my toes in the water, I was able to say, Hey, this is what I'm looking for in a partner and in a business idea. And, you know, from a value standpoint, Alex checked all those boxes. We were you know, very aligned on you know, the way we wanted to build the team and solve this problem and um, being people and human first leading with empathy and then from a business standpoint, how he wanted to approach solving these problems and, and this space was an industry that you know, just really fit with what I was passionate about. And so for anyone who's interested in entrepreneurship, I'd say just find a way to get a piece of it first, because just you know, leaving your job and trying to start a business when you haven't had that experience could be really challenging. And, and the last thing you want to do is take that leap and you never got a chance to see it through because you now all of a sudden need to go and you, know, you got to go start making money again. And you know, building a business takes a long time. And so being able to assess it, still make money, still have an income while you kind of feel out what's next, at least for me, was was a really good way of deciding that it was the right path for me. You're right. There's so much on social media about romanticizing the journey of the entrepreneur, oh, yeah. right? Every Everything is roses and sunshine. And I'm thinking of a former podcast guest, and you might know her name too, Erica Rankin. She was the founder of Brodo, and now she's since gone on to build other platforms. And I was chatting with her recently because she's she's up to 40,000 followers and she only joined LinkedIn a couple of years ago. But I've seen how she's done it because 
she tells the real journey. So watching Erica's journey, you'll see her saying, hey, I got this deal with, you know, such and such a retailer. Mm -hmm. And then the next post, she'll be crying because she lost a huge contract. Mm -hmm. And I think because she shared the absolute real journey, the good, the bad and the ugly, people resonate with that. To your point, there's a lot on there about, hey, you know, the the overnight success. And and Al and I have learned over the years, same as us, because I have friends who look at our company now and say, wow, you you know, it's out of the blue. Well, no, it's 17 years later of, of pulling my hair out, you know, half the time <laughs> to the point where we are now. But I love what you said about it. And I think it's great advice, whether you're someone, you know, in our position who were working for other firms or younger people, Go out and offer your services. If you have a skill set, approach other people. And I found the LinkedIn community to be very, very open and welcoming to that mm-hmm. and approaching people. I find people are genuinely, for the most part, people want to help other people. Mm-hmm. And I love that you went out and approached other people and say, hey, listen, here's a skill set I have. I'm going to work with you. And I love that advice because it helped you figure out what you wanted to do, the kind of team, the kind of people you wanted to be surrounded with. And it probably, I guess, I'm guessing, helped people that you were working with too. So I think that's a great way to kind of quotation, nobody can see this, but I'm doing quotations, figure it out, right? I think that's great advice. I haven't actually come across any folks on LinkedIn or, or Instagram who've been sharing you know, the, that other side of the story. And I understand why, because it's, you know, it's, it's quite vulnerable. And especially the early days of building a business, it is like a up and down roller coaster on almost a daily basis. But that's really great. I'm, I'm going to follow her. Erica that's awesome. Rankin. Yeah, she's she's great to follow and just very, very real and just a, just a wonderful person. The other thing that I, I heard that you said, Christian, that I liked is, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And a lot of people do believe that, right? You got to jump in and you're either going to swim or you're going to drown, right? Mm-hmm. There are reversible decisions. You can go back or like you say, you can ease into things. And I do think a lot of people look at it as, you know, such a big risk and it is all or nothing, but it's not. You, you can change, you can adapt. Mm-hmm. And if you have to, you can even go back to your old job if it just yeah. doesn't work out. It's not It's not the end of the world. There will be lots of entrepreneurs that will say, you know, I failed a number of times before I finally got it right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It does feel like it's especially, and maybe this is, I, I don't want to project my experience and say that this is just a, a generalization that everyone goes through, but I really did feel like when I was first starting my career, it was like, Hey, if you want to start a business, you got to start it now. And you know, you got to be able to really grind, grind, grind. And there was no one talking about like, how do you pay for things? <laughs> like where, uh, how are you making, you know, how are you paying bills? How are you buying food? If you just go right into building a business, like right out of school, I don't really understand. So it's, uh, yeah, finding a way to get a piece of it. I, at least for me, felt like a really practical way to approach it and uh, an easier way and still be able to do the other things in life that matter, like, uh, like eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those kind of things are important. It's the time in the show. I hope you're ready, <laughs> Christian, because it's that time. And we let our guests know up front because it is a pretty heavy question if you haven't had time to think about it. But we didn't give you a heck of a lot of time. But it's time for Al's signature question. And it's one of my favorite questions that Al came up with. I mean, he didn't come up with it, obviously. So he introduced it to the show. And I just, I love the question. I love hearing the answers about what people are doing for the, you know, the next generation sort of thing. So with that, Al, take it away. Sure. So the saying goes, a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any proverbial trees that you're planting? And maybe if you want to talk to about how it will benefit people to be sitting in the shade that you're never going to enjoy. Yeah, I would say there's a couple of groups of people that come to mind. And, you know, I think the the first is just thinking about it very 
practically from a business lens. And you know, like I said, we're we're trying to make care working or caregiving a very attractive profession and working with different care organizations to you know be able to you know have great retention and make this a sought after profession. And I think as we start to get better at that, and as it becomes a bigger and bigger priority for local and federal governments, our team is really trying to bring awareness to how important this group is and trying to share learnings across different organizations so we can have best practices that are shared across different care organizations who can improve their retention, how to improve their recruitment, how to be great employers, and how to make caregiving a really sustainable and and long-term, lifelong profession. And so I think, you know, as I look 20, 30, 40 years into the future, it's those caregivers that we're really trying to plant trees for, is how do we have the systems in place, the employers are operating at the absolute optimal level of here's what matters to my employees, here's what matters to care workers, here's how we compensate them appropriately, the benefits that matter, the scheduling systems that, that need to be in place. And so hopefully we can, you know, we can start to make inroads on that sooner than later. And we're already doing that with a lot of our different organizations we're working with. But it's really those care workers that I hope can sit in the shade of what we're trying to build. And a wonderful byproduct of that is if those care workers are sitting in the shade, so to speak, that means that there's much more people who have access to great care, continuity with care workers that they know and trust. And then for the families of those who are receiving care, that's less of a tax on them. You know, there's some you know, really alarming stats around, you know, family caregiver burnout. They need care too, you know, families who are, you know, supporting those who are receiving, you know, direct care. And so there's those groups of people, you know, hopefully we can be the beneficiaries of a lot of the work that we're doing. And by focusing on the care workers, those are individuals who will benefit as well. And, and quality of life across the board will really be elevated. And then just a second stream of thought and around how, as we're building our team, both Alex, my, my co-founder and I, we're very passionate about the future of work and building a business in a sustainable way where wellness of our team, our business culture, our team practices and norms really put people first and happiness and wellness first. And as we grow, we want to be at the forefront of that, of how workplaces operate and how they take care of their people and you know, prioritize overall happiness. You know, it's especially in a startup, it's it's hard to, you know, work-life balance is, is a tricky concept. I don't really know how you can achieve that with a small team. It's it's kind of just life, right? You work when it makes sense for you and you have an employer who supports what you're doing and supports your development and your goals. And we really want to be on the, the forefront of that as well in building a sustainable workplace that you know great people want to work at and work at for a really long time. And so We're trying to do that for our customers, but we're also trying to do that for our team as well. Al, any follow-up? No, I think that is a great answer. And you had some good insight there. And again, I I do go back to, I think this is very timely. And I think what you're doing is great because just, you know, from my perspective, I just see that entire industry right now is, is kind of beat up. It's nice to see someone in their corner, if you will, you know, kind of rooting for them and trying to help them. Yeah, we are. Could it be more in their corner? Every single day getting up, trying to do what we can to do right by the care workers. That's for sure. Well, this has been an amazing episode. Thank you for joining us today and sharing your story and your journey. I just really enjoyed this conversation. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have any questions about yourself or what you're doing at Caribou? Yeah, I'd say visit us at caribou.care, not .ca, .care. And find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm super 
responsive on LinkedIn. I don't post a lot, but I'm there and I'm, I'm always reading. I'm creeping around all the time. <laughs> all right. Good stuff. All right. That does it for today's episode. Again, I love this conversation. I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. We're there too. Success <laughs> leaves clues, my friends. And remember, it all starts with one. <laughs>